McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. Won by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Pompey fans and welcome to PO Forecast episode 115. Well we're back with a new episode to start the season and rally behind Danny Cowley's blues as we kick it off right now. During the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you Andy? Evening Hugh. Yeah buzzing to be back. Can't believe it's the season already. Um, nice to see you and Fred again. Yeah been a bit of an old break hasn't it? Back after a long old hiatus Andy. Get back in the teams of three of us. So. How are you, Freddie Webb? I'm doing very well here. Yeah, it's lovely to be on again. It's been a while. We did a few bits, a few a few transfer stuff during the summer, but no, it was nice to have a break and feel revitalised. And I can't wait to get started again. Yeah, it's, it's been a long old break, really, isn't it? You know, I've mainly spent my time. Let's be honest. Now things are opening up, just going out a little bit, getting back to life as normal. Andy Mitchmore, have you been doing the same? Yeah, probably different types of events than you, Hugh, uh, if we're being honest. Um, but yeah, getting out and about a little bit. Um, I'm sort of kind of betraying my own belief system this weekend, going to the 100 to watch a game because someone's given me a ticket. I don't want to put money into it, but that'll be like the first sporting event for a while because I didn't go to the Peterborough game. And that's kind of like the warm-up sporting event before getting back to Fratton properly. But yeah, just enjoying the sun until today. For my standards, I'm pretty brown. You might disagree on the Zoom call, but... This is, this is about exactly your face as well. This is about as tanned as I go without actually going to Cancun. Um, yeah, bit of annual leave, bit of feet up. Living the dream, to be honest, bud. Is that legitimately the the you know, most tanned you get, Andy? Uh, the, the lighting isn't great. And my laptop camera just, it isn't the most flattering. I'm actually fairly brown. No, do you notice how I'm wearing a brightly coloured shirt as well? Just to, like try and contrast with the skin, but... <laughs> you just like me. It's it, a bold where, choice. Where you just go from white to red to white again with no tan in the middle uh, right I, i'm i'm in the tan stage can we not can we not just acknowledge we, that we are um, a pasty crew let's be honest boys you know we're, we're not going to win any any sort of like tanning awards but who please. cares about that we're here to talk about pompey not andy's tan so let's get into it boys let's kick it off right now first of all we're going to review all the new signings that we brought into pompey that's right all of them Following on from that, we're going to talk about your questions on how you think we should improve the squad. We'll go through all your comments and thanks again for messaging in. And following on from that, we're going to review, no, we're going to preview the game against Fleetwood. It's been a, it's been an interesting summer. It's been an emotional summer because obviously we've got a lot of players leaving the club, huge turnover, which is exactly what we wanted. It's what the fans asked for. And then people got a little bit nervous as the season approached. You know, some players hadn't come through the door and Danny Cowley's been talking about patience, making sure we get the right players. And that's starting to come together now, isn't it, Freddie? Yeah, slowly. Uh, um, 
<clears throat> that, that was a lot of noise at the beginning where we were Pompey were losing out on a lot of targets and then, and then some of the bigger teams in League One splashing the cash a lot and we thought oh god why, why did we release all of our good players to sign nobody and my my opinion of it was just oh, just wait until first game of the season then criticise the squad on this podcast if it's too light and I think overall for me we got most areas covered there, there are still some things that We'll obviously go over only having two centre midfielders for the first game of the season is a bit worrying. <laughs> but I think we're starting to get depth at most areas. Missed out on some signings, which is frustrating, but some of the players we brought in, I think, are really good and it will change the culture in the dressing room and offer a lot on the pitch as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not as um, doubtful as I was earlier. You've got to say, really, haven't you, that we talked about whether to do the podcast last week or start it this week, and some people messaged me about it. I was adamant we wait until this week because I really wanted to see the squad come together as much as possible before we started discussing how it was going into the game against Fleetwood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's been sort of a, a gelling time over the last few weeks, looking at the pre-season friendlies, obviously a lot of trialists coming in, um, a couple of them getting offered contracts, but it's... It's really nice week before the season starts. I just want us to take a minute and appreciate that none of us have got a bloody clue what's going to happen this season. How nice and refreshing is that? It's fresh management that came in with positivity towards the end of last season. There's, as you say, been a huge turnover in players and sort of the emotional side of you. Yeah, it's regretful when you see people that you go quite attached to, sort of sort of your Ben Close, your Jack Watmore kind of club, um, youth team players, leaving potentially for a you know a gig that might show that you know they are potentially higher end league one or championship players but it didn't quite click at Pompey and I, I look back at the last few seasons and I didn't really have a buzz if I'm honest I and mean, it was it was all great you know football's coming back and all that but it wasn't unpredictable and it was like right okay another season of jacket we probably know vaguely where this is going to end up um, and we were pretty accurate on that count. Whereas, can we just appreciate like how clueless we are and how much speculating we're going to be doing on the pod? And some of it will probably be completely wrong. That's just really exciting. It's really refreshing. And to have that combined with people coming back to Fratton Park in a big way, it's just a great time. But, um, let's, let's enjoy this before the cold winter months when we travel three and a half hours home after losing like 4-0 to um, like Wimbledon at home or something. Let's enjoy this moment, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have no idea where Bobby are going to end up. They could end up at the playoffs. They could end up rooted mid-table. I've got absolutely no idea. And it, it, also another thing that's really good, we can actually go to football again. Thank God. I, I, the, the, I haven't been to football probably since Fleetwood away the season before last. And now the first game I'm going to is Fleetwood away again, which is good. And it will brighten me up at least. That's it, the Northern correspondent there, Freddie Webb, going away to Fleetwood. <laughs> King of the North. It's because trains, trains to Pompey are expensive, all right? Leave me alone. No, and that's good. Name. We, need, we need to divert our resources up. Andy, have you sorted your season ticket out? Now, I've actually managed to log in and buy the thing after the, the shenanigans that went on with general Pompey tickets. You know, they wanted us to give the club money, but, you know, at the same time, they sort of don't. Yeah, I managed to get it sorted, but, yeah, it was... There was someone posted on Twitter, you had to press enter instead of actually trying to click on place order or something. It's just like, like we're, we're literally trying to give you our money. <laughs> take take my money. And uh, yeah, it wasn't working. But I mean, if you've got that many people logging on, log on in one go, and it was an external ticket provider problem, wasn't it, rather than the club itself. So briefly frustrating, but at the same time, just chuffed to have it done. 
but yeah, all sorted because you're you're pretty near me this season, aren't you? You and the uh, Fratland. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm KK and just over yeah. from you, fifty something. I can't remember something like fifty five. Yeah, so I'm going to be just, throwing stuff at your head, mate. You know, if I disagree with you on the podcast, yeah, launching yeah, missiles at you. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're KK. I'm JJ, and only about twenty seats away from you. So I'm probably am with actually within like throwing shot. So yeah, looking forward to that. Lucky, I'm absolutely rubbish then at throwing, and so I've never played cricket before. When you said the hundred, I actually had to take a step back and think what that was all about. But I remember it's a cricket league, isn't it? So just get just getting back on topic a little bit. You just said, Andy, that. You know, this is a season where you don't know what's going to happen, etc. Well, you better get yourself together because at the end of the podcast, I'm going to ask you to make your season predictions as always on the first episode going back. As well as that, obviously, the thing is last season when we did this podcast, I was full of rage. You know, I was full of anger. Jacket wasn't gone. At the end of the season, I went on the ITV Meridian News and said, get Jacket out. Didn't happen. Now we can start the season with a nice bit of positivity as we go in to look at the squad. So let's let's kick it off by looking at the new players that have come in. Obviously, we've lost some really key players from last season's squad, but that turnover had to happen. Ben Close is gone. Tom Naylor's gone. Jack Watmore's gone. I mean, if Jack Watmore, by the way, and Tom Naylor, on a side note, end up as the centre-back partnership for Wigan, I'm going to absolutely <laughs> laugh they're playing together. But let's get into the new players Pompey have got, because they're all gone now. Who cares? Let's get into the new players. Freddie, do you want to crack us off with the newest left-back we've got? The guy that me and you talk, talked about with Gabe Sutton on the podcast. That's correct. Tick, tick. The the, the PO forecast approved signing of Conor Ogilvie on the free. Um, two years with an option of a third. I wrote an article about Conor Ogilvie today, which means it'll be on PN at pompeynewsnow.com at some point. Definitely it'll be out when you're hearing this. Um, if it, it, in, in a nutshell... One of the best defensive defensive fullbacks in League One last season. One of the highlights, top for left backs for offensive duels. So when a, when a fullback's on the ball, the, the ball doesn't get kicked away from him. Sticks with possession, gets stuck in a lot. Re- really goes into the challenges in the aerials and can make a few passes around the penalty area. But his crossing is quite bad, which is one of the things you could say is not that great. But honestly, uh, overall excellent signing adds to the versatility as well that he can play centre-back if Pompey can't find another good centre-back to add. He can play centre-half on the left side and at left-back. But yeah, um, definitely makes the squad a lot stronger than it is. Have you got any stats, Freddie, to, to back any of that up? Because Not in a sort of putting you in a, in a corner sort of way, but in a absence makes the heart grow fonder I, and after a summer off your statistics are like crack to me so, <laughs> after you shut off your phone for two months just like right, right I want every stat now <laughs> okay so for defensive duels uh, this is all comps won 66.04% of them which is 12 highest for league one at fullback uh, as I said offensive duels win percentage highest in the entire league do I have that number in front of me I don't which is annoying like I said on the tin, get stuck in a lot, defensively responsible. Yeah, covers the space and an excellent defensive signing. One one thing though, we was we said seasons ago when Steve Seddon came in and uh, came and went, we said we really need an attacking left back for the various reasons. I don't think Conor Ogilvie is that. He can get he can get involved in certain scenarios further up the pitch, but he's not going to be Steve Seddon going forward. I was going to say, though, looking at the way that 
I suppose Gillingham set up as well and it's talking about going forward he was playing more balls in the air actually than you might expect from a left back but Gillingham liked to switch the ball forward very quickly and get the ball forward in that sense so maybe under Danny Cowley we'll see him utilise his short passing more his passing stats could just be better Freddie on a completion rate purely from being that player who plays those small one-twos the wide triangles we know that Danny Cowley likes to play so I'm expecting his passing stats actually to be a lot better. And then we'll have to look at maybe he needs to do better at his crossing. But so far, though, I'm really, really impressed with that. You know, Gillingham fans thought he'd go to the championship. I expected him to go to the championship. That was one of the things we spoke about on the podcast before. So it's a great signing. And it's, what is it, it's a statement signing. But no, I'm going to say it. it's a statement signing. It's a statement signing of a player who could have gone up a level um, and ended up playing for us. So tick, tick, very happy with that. Um, let's just move on a bit to another defender. This makes sense. As we're trying to get back into this, I'm going to try and go for uh, some sort of systems after being away for a bit. But Clark Robertson, 27 years old, centre-back. I watched him actually playing against the Peterborough game, which I was at, and I thought he looked really steady in the centre, really calm, really collected, got the ball. I thought his first pass was pretty decent as well. I think his key passing stats, and I'll refer that to Freddie, were fairly good. Um, but he was a player that I thought looked very composed next to Sean Radigat. So I think it's a pretty good signing, but I want to know what your, your thoughts are, Andy. Yeah, he looks fairly solid from what I've seen. Um, he wants to be at Pompey, which is a big thing for me. And that he's chosen to come down to Pompey and try and get back to the championship rather than go back to Aberdeen, or sort of where his, I think they were his parent club before his last loan spell at, at Rotherham. Um, the fact that he's left-footed, I think, is is nice. It gives us a balance across the back four in that you've got, you know, Raggett as as right-footed centre-back. Robertson as left-footed centre-back gives us a bit of balance there. Um, and, yeah, has, has that championship experience. And that's, I think, a theme that's going to come through quite a lot in the pod today is that the Cowleys have recruited people who know how to play in the championship and how to get to the championship. There's sort of a track record of success there. Whereas you could say with some of the players that have left the club over the summer, partially from their time before Pompey and definitely at their time at Pompey, that sort of became a almost a culture of, it's probably quite harsh to say it in these words, but sort of a culture of failure. Whereas Clark Robertson and some of the other players we're going to talk about are coming from a culture of playing in a higher division than Pompey are currently in. And they're going to be driven to, to get back to that stage with a, with a club that I think should be in the championship personally. So, yeah, you want him to be sort of the mainstay stalwart of the centre-back, probably alongside Raggett, um, and hopefully with uh, not too many individual mistakes in him. But time will tell on that one. Raggett better have a good start to the season this year. And this is not piling on him, but I just, I just really want him to kick off the season and, and make a good impression from the start. I know we're talking about new players and this is a bit of a tandem, but you just think with, with Sean Ruggett, if he can have a good start to the season and get going positively, not not take a while to get up to speed, then you know that could be a really good partnership. And when I was watching him at Peterborough, he made one really good challenge, but he also looked really steady. So I'm just hoping he carries that form on. You know, Positively, I'm going to say he's going to, you know, and that's going to be a big asset to Pompey at the back. Cool, let's move on to the next... Oh, Freddie, have you got anything to say about him? Uh, Robertson, I think, is a very good signing. Yeah, I know he. Um, a lot of people were wary, saying, oh, why did we sign an injury-prone centre-half when we could have just given money to Jack Watmore, had to have a bit of consistency? 
With Robertson's injuries, you had broken foot, which he's recovered from, stomach injury, and hamstring when he tried to get back sooner than he could have done. Whereas Watmore had three cruciates on the same knee. So from an injury, but from an, from a medical perspective, not having the same recurring injury is better than better than otherwise. And even and even more encouragingly, he that was the first thing that Danny Cowley said to him before the interview. It was reported in the news that they had this entire training regime before preseason, where he was working on his fitness, working working on that foot that was troubling him. And I think it's a good signing purely on stylistic point of view very good at progressive passes very comfortable on the ball on a free when his value is probably at its lowest considering that he didn't play as much for Rotherham as he would have liked so yeah I still think it's a good signing I think more depth needs at centre half I think if we had a fourth centre half that would round out the squad nicely but it's a good start I think with that one Fred what a stomach injury I'm very curious as to what I couldn't, you I couldn't remember what, I couldn't remember specifically injury. what the injury was it was a food from Scotland I reckon just a Scottish diet generally I reckon just sort of led on to that I'll double check it quickly once so all right, mate. Uh, we've got to be careful not to, not to have Bat- too many Scottish stereotypes, too many battered sausages and like... <laughs> too many Mars, Mars bars. bars I, I just want to throw out there that if we don't bring in another centre-back, I, I read that Paul Downing's been having conversations with the Cowleys and, you know, thinks he's got a bright future at the club now because a, a month ago or so ago there was, chat, there was chat about him potentially leaving the club. But he said that there's sort of uh, conversations about him sticking around and having a bright future. Can we imagine the redemption arc, lads? Can we imagine it? if he comes back into the first team, because he started last couple of league games last season. Imagine there's Look, potential it's to, for like... It's, it's good like to be wrong form. sometimes. Sometimes it's good to be wrong. And I gave him a two out of 10 in a season review two years ago. And the reason was, purely I didn't give him a one was based on the fact that his contract was shorter than it could have been. It could have been five years. Prove me wrong, Paul. I really do want to say, you know, sometimes it's great to be wrong. And yeah, you're right. He looked a lot better at the end of last season. I still expect him to be the third centre back in a rotation. Not, you know, not not the guy who's starting so far. But as we said, you know, he's there. Hopefully, he can make a big impression this season and, and be a good player for us. It does give us the option as well. If Cowley does want to go to a three at the back, we'll need three centre backs to do that and fulfil that. So that that does give us that flexibility as well. And I still think we need to sign another centre back. But we're going to get into that a bit later on when we talk about your views on who we should go out and get and where Pompey's squad needs to be uh, strengthened. Right, cool. Let's move on. Kieran Freeman. He's back. That's right. One time Pompey Blue. Portsmouth legend even from back in the day. Kieran Freeman is back at right back. Got to say, his former Pompey performances weren't great. You know, he played seven games, didn't look great at the time, but that was time ago. Some Pompey fans have mentioned that. But after playing for us, the season after, he went on to score 10 goals, 5 assists in 41 games with Sheffield United in the promotion campaign and then stepped up to the Championship and even followed them all the way through to the Premier League. So he's a really experienced player. He's been there. He's been through the promotions. And he was touching on, we need winners. Well, he's definitely a winner. And I think he's going to add a lot of experience you can see he's actually sort of pushed Callum Johnson down the pecking order for now. And he was definitely one of our best players at right back. So, yeah, for me, he's a really solid signing. Uh, I really like him. Like you said, and like it's been alluded to, th- this transfer window was also about culture change rather than getting primarily the best players. There's not a lot of data on Kieran Friedman that I could find because he, he, he had um, rotational stints at Sheffield United when they were in the Prem played in cup matches, played a few league games here and there. 
But he was integral to the side in League One and the Championship. And he and he's gone through multiple promotions and it's, and seems to be a balanced fullback. Likes to go forward, but also defend the spaces. He's been there and done it, like you said. And it's it's another player who wants to prove a point. Robertson was the same who wanted to prove a point a bit because of his a few injury hit seasons. And I double-checked that injury. Paul Davis from the Rotherham Advertiser, Robertson had to have stomach surgery when he tore his stomach. That was the injury. Not yes. food-related then. Fair enough. No, it wasn't. Stomach. Yes. As in the organ. Well, that's what it, it just says. It just said tore his stomach. I'm guessing Tory stomach muscles, his abs, yes, whoever hooks up around that. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely no expert in, you know, stomach muscles. No, I'm, I'm not either. I'm not either. But, but, but he had surgery on well, it and it hasn't troubled him since, which is good. I mean, you can tear it. It's a, it's a type of muscle that's the outside of the organ, but that's, we're going to get very, very boringly sidetracked here. That's so <laughs> Kieran Freeman, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And like I said, another player wants to prove a point and, and that's got to help the mentality in the dressing room. And I know, I know that ha- he hasn't been as involved as he would have liked, another player. But you're, ta- you're taking a flyer on a player like that. And I think he's, got, he's on a two-year deal with an option of a third. And I think, I think it could work out and it will pu- push Callum Johnson to be better. Because beforehand, I don't, I don't think there was much, didn't think there was that much depth at right back. Um, and put this way, Portsmouth have got lots of options at right back. They've also got Hadji Manoba if they don't, if they can't figure out a loan move for him. So there's lots of options. And yeah, I think, I, I, I'm being positive about the Kieran Freeman signing. And another experienced head to add to the uh, team, I think. Yeah, and I watched him against Peterborough as well, and I thought he did really well going forward. He linked up with Marcus Harness really well, so they had they had some some play that I was really impressed with. He he sort of you know quite aggressive going forward making runs giving Marcus Harness that option if he goes inside to go outside as well which is really what we need from a right back on that side because I do feel that Harness really needs that someone going to the byline around him as well a uh, little link up play I was, I was actually very impressed with it Sheffield United fans thought is a really good signing for us they thought he's going to be one of the best right backs in in league one when I spoke to them about it so Pretty impressive. Let's see how he pans out, but let's move on to the next one. And this fullback is not quite as experienced as Freeman. Liam Vincent from our favourite feeder club, Bromley. Apparently, Danny Cowley said he signed for 15k. I think it's one of those ones again. It's for, it's for the future, isn't it? I don't know who we're going to loan him out to, but he needs to go out on loan. See how he does over there, but not too much to say about him. Unless anyone wants to jump in with some input on it. Yeah, he's one, he's one of those sort of potential get him on the books and if he blossoms, which hopefully he will do, then um, he's the sort of player you want to have on your sort of, um, on your roster. I mean, he's only 18, isn't he? So, got years and years ahead of him. Kind of like Hadji, to be honest with you. Hadji Minogue is, what, 19? Like, we think of him as being a lot older because he seems like he's been around the first team for a few seasons. But, um, yeah, Liam Vincent, he's, again, he's one of those attacking full-backs. He's probably the, you know, potentially the left-back equivalent of Hadji, but on the other side of the pitch and it looks like um, Danny Cowley has said that it's his defensive work that maybe needs strengthening or his defensive work that needs the most improvement to become sort of a League One standard player or whatever league we're in when he, you know, hopefully in the championship when uh, in a couple of years' time when he's sort of maturing into his career. Um, I wouldn't expect to see a huge amount of him in the league this year. You'd imagine at left-back he's going to be below Ogilvy and Brown in the pecking order. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out on loan to, to a, a club potentially in the league below. Um, and yeah, hopefully get some game time and sort of doesn't get treated 
like some other young players have from similar clubs who got brought in, loaned out and forgotten about by um, by Kenny Jackett. I think it was reported in the news that Cowley was looking for a more local loan for Vincent so he could basically train with the Pompey squad while also getting game time um, every Saturday. I can't. I don't think. I don't think they mentioned a team yet, but hopefully he gets the opportunity at some point. It's, it's good we didn't fuck off Gosport then with that friendly cancellation, just in case that was an option, right? <sighs> or Bogner, or yeah. other clubs generally around us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can patch that up and uh, and loan them some players that they'd like to have. But you know, hey ho. Um, let's go back into goal because I really should have started in goal. That actually makes more sense. But you know, we're just back and getting into the flow of it. But Gavin Bazunu. Signed from Man City on loan. Played last season at Rochdale. Rochdale leaked a lot of goals last season. However, they were generally awful at the back. Uh, And they also tried to play it out from the back, but in a pretty attacking way, didn't they? They threw players forwards. They're really undefensively responsible. Obviously, he's played for Ireland at international level, which is a massive thing for a 19-year-old to do. Um, He was highly rated. Man City bought him for, I think it was 450, 500k, Back in 1819, so that was you know years ago, and you spent half a million quid on a on a potential you know young player. So how old was he by then? And you can do the maths. Bought him from Shamrock Rovers, one of these island sort of teams that Pompey maybe was sniffing around, got some ratings in scouts and said said he was good. But he's a solid signing, and his big boots to really fill under Craig McGivory, who obviously you know we lost out to Charlton or we let go to Charlton, wherever you want to look at that. But yeah, can he? increase our ability to play the ball out from the back in Danny Cowley's system for me you know is going to be integral and then can he do the basics as well he's a very very good goalkeeper um, I'm really going to be interested to see the battle for the the first team position with him and Bass um, my gut instinct is that Bass will be first choice because he's contracted like to the club on a permanent deal um, but it's a signing I was really happy to see brought in fairly early, fairly early on in the window. Um, like you said, he's played senior uh, football for the Republic of Ireland, and he's the youngest goalkeeper to ever have done that for Republic of Ireland. So it's you know not just sort of a yeah, not just a sort of flash in the pan. I think he's going to be around in that in that squad for a lot of his career. Um, I also don't think we can really judge him on the sort of the goals conceded at Rochdale because they had an extremely leaky sort of defence in front of him as well. Um, but I would expect him to be second choice. I think Alex Bass is growing into the number one um, jersey quite nicely, but I think he's a, a very good number two to bring in. And like you said, they're huge, huge boots to fill um, that with uh, McGillivray leaving, but I do believe that we've got two very good goalkeepers down. You talked about competition. It was very much McGillivray number one, Bass back up for the majority. I know there was a time when McGillaray dropped out of the side, but for the majority of the time, you knew who your number one and two keepers were um, if everyone was playing to their best ability. With what we've got now, they're going to be pushing each other for that shirt. And that's that's really what you want to see in all of these positions. Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest, on this signing. It's, it's one of the ones that I am not sure about. Would you really think that Bazunu would be loaned out to Pompey if he wasn't first choice? Considering, yes, he's from Man- considering he's from Manchester City and he's an Ireland international, he would expect to start, presumably. I know he, he had some knocks. I know but that's why Bass played in most of the friendlies. But I'm I not mean, sure. I'm told it's a, no. it's a straight, you know, battle it out for, for number one position. And it's not the case that Man City have asked us, insisted that he'll play. 
he did have offers to play up the league, you see, and for other clubs, maybe the championship move is muted. I think they really feel that they want him to play at a team who are winning, number one. So, he, you know, he played for a team that in a you know, scrappy relegation, sort of dogfight for, for last season. He comes into Pompey, who uh, isn't, that's not going to be the situation with us. And he needs to play in front of a team where he has the ability to have sort of clean sheets and, you know, fingers crossed here. But, you know, he, he has the ability to win things here. So, I don't think, will Man City insist on him playing? I don't think they will, but I think they have the faith to think that he can beat out Alex Bass for the number one shirt. Mm. Uh, I still think it is a downgrade on McGilvery, though, overall for that position. I think I think it, 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 if I had to sum it up, it was a stylistic upgrade because I think from looking at the analytics, Bazunu is more active off his line and he's more comfortable on the ball with short passes. But McGilvery overall is better keeper in terms of prevented goals as well, which is the metric that basically looks at um, if the keeper saves above what is expected of him. And yes, uh, Bazuna played for Rochdale last season and Rochdale were awful defensively and a lot of it wasn't his fault at all. But his prevented goals metric of being minus 4.64, which basically means he say, he conceded four more goals than he should have done. That's a worry. And McGilvery's was higher up the league at one point. It was about plus nine or something before um, Pompey went on that run of losing a lot of games. That's, the, that's a bit of a worry, but maybe it's just me being harsh because I haven't seen him play that much. I've seen him play for Ireland a few times, but we'll see. And I think Alex Bass has improved a lot from the friendlies as well. So it's definitely going to be a battle for the number one shirt. It's, it's not, it doesn't seem as clear-cut to me anyway. I don't think it's that he's come here and he's, we've told Man City he's going to get first-team football. I mean, did George Byers start every game coming down from Swansea? Did Harvey White start every game coming down from Spurs? I know that's mid-season, but big clubs do they just want their players to potentially be around the match day squad even uh, which he's not going to be at Man City so I don't I'd be very surprised if we'd said yeah we're going to be starting in first team I don't think that's an avenue the Cowleys would have gone with and a guarantee they would have made without seeing a huge amount of him down at Fratton No I think it's just City saying they think he's got the ability to be the number one keeper here so they've got the confidence in him to be able to do that that, that's that's my feeling. Yeah, they're not going to say they don't, are they? They're not going to say, oh yeah, we're sending him off on loan. We're pretty sure he's going to be second choice because he's, he's a bit bang average, isn't he? They're not going to come out and say that. Of course well, they're going to say it's not about what they first choice. It's not necessarily about what they said. It's just more about an attitude of having that confidence that a keeper can step in and be in the number one role there. Otherwise, they wouldn't bother loaning him out to us to sit him on the bench. I just generally think that's the case. It's going to be from a strategy point of view, from Man City's you know view. Portsmouth, okay, we believe he, he can get the, the number one shirt there. Whether he does or not is just a completely different story, I suppose. But, you know, international pedigree, can get the ball out quickly. Cowley likes him. Let's let's see what he can do. But yeah, Alex Bass as well. I think he's got a good chance to take that next step. You know, he's a bit older. He's had that experience before when, I can't remember what it was, Freddie, stats-wise, but across all four leagues at one point, I think his, um, his clean sheets or something were right up there, weren't they? Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. But let's move into midfield, boys. And let's talk about Sean Williams. So previously at Millwall, free transfer, 34 years old, very experienced midfielder, obviously came on a free to us. He played 27 games last season in the championship in centre midfield. Now, you know, that's got to say something again about what we were talking about, about that experience, that calmness, which I, I saw on the ball again. It's only one game, but versus Peterborough, who are a team that got promoted and played there, their better side as well. 
I don't know if he's going to come in, Freddie, and be a deep-lying playmaker, which is sort of the the feeling I had with one of the other players we're going to come on to, being in the more box-to-box role. So him getting the ball, collecting it from the defence, and then distributing it out, left, right, or whatever, which is where I really see him doing, rather than being this ultimate engine running up and down the pitch. No, I expect him being a, deal, a proper deadline playmaker, one of your major creative outlets. And from looking at the analytics, that's what really Williams is really good at. Danny Cowley mentioned a lot of his range of passing and Williams's range of passing is very good, whether it's short or whether it's to the penalty area, whether it's progressing the ball high up the pitch. Williams can do all of that and was better in the tackle than Ben Close was, which is one of the major bonuses. Close is going to be a big loss, I think, anyway, but Williams is a good fill-in considering his experience, considering he's played all those games in the championship, a lot of them having a calm, experienced head in the middle of the park who's composed and can bring the ball out in multiple scenarios. Ports of need that. They still need more in centre midfield because, well, there's only two options at centre midfield and Pompey are probably going to play a 4-4-2. So there's more to be done on that front. But I, I still think Williams is a very, very good signing on a, on a free potential captain material, isn't it? Again, it's kind of to do with that diversity and a bit of sort of a change in approach in that, again, Sean Williams is left-footed. If we look at our centre midfielders from last season and this season, Naylor, right-footed, Close, right-footed, Cannon, right-footed, Tunnicliffe is right-footed. It just gives a slightly different angle. It's like going over and round the wicket in cricket, which I know that Hugh's going to be well on board with that as an analogy. Yeah, you have no idea, do you know? Um, But again, it just gives you a slightly different, literally an angle of attack. And uh, again, like a couple of other... Uh, transfers we brought in apparently he's rejected championships approaches to to come to Pompey in League One and try and push for promotion and as you say yeah it's a, a track record of performing in a higher league than we're in and yeah Millwall fans would look pretty sad to see him go from what from what I saw in their their reaction to the transfer announcement and uh, yeah have a lot of respect for him as a player so there's absolutely no doubt he can do a good job in in League One and when, when we talk about the Fleetwood game later I think. Williams and Tunnicliffe potentially have got the, the most important job on the park on Saturday um, against Fleetwood. So, yeah, a bit of a baptism of fire there. And they looked like a great partnership, a really good partnership when they played together against Peterborough. Peterborough's midfield just couldn't get on the ball. They were overrun. And, you know, we'll come on to Tunnicliffe in a second. But with Williams, what I really want to say as well is that the deeper line player for Pompey's always been Tom Naylor. Who, who's sort of sitting back deep as well. He really didn't have the ability to pass the ball out. You know, you, you wanted him just to play the short pass, lay it off or whatever. And it all, sometimes it happened that Ben Close ended up sitting laterally to him. So you had these two players, both very deep and no one sort of moving forwards. But now we've got a player who's sitting deep, but collects the ball and moves it forwards. And I think we're going to see Pompey from that, being able to sort of impose the forward press that Danny Cowley really wants to do for this season. Uh, another thing I think I'll mention with the Naylor and close midfield it was ve- it was very obvious what uh, what both of them were there for which was meant it was easy to play against because Naylor was uh, Naylor's job collect the ball pass it to Ben Close Ben Close slightly further forward with the range of passing pass it out to pass it out to the wing or to, or to Marcus further forward or, or backwards if there was nothing on um, and, uh, Ben Close got stuck in more than a lot of people give him credit for analytically in terms of ground tackles but in the air he didn't get involved at all 
which meant that the entire that, that was Naylor's basically entire job to win the ball in the air, which he's very good at. But with, with Williams and Sunnycliffe, both of them get involved in the air, both of them get involved in the ground tackle, and both of them have got a range of passing. It's just that Sunnycliffe might have the role to be a bit more mobile between the penalty boxes. And that's just the main difference between the two. So this this new centre midfield partnership, even though it's less glamorous to some people, could potentially be better. So we'll see on that one. Can't see how it's less glamorous. Disagree with that one. I was watching um, Ryan Tenercliffe again, and what I thought was really interesting is he wins the ball back very well. You know, people who are really worried about you know, close being sort of soft on the ball or whatever, you know, stats-wise, doesn't always line up with that. But Tony Cliff comes back and he just, the ball just sticks to his feet and he just turns it over. But he's more, he played a sort of box-to-box role. He scored the goal, on, you know, on the forward press, supporting the attack as he went forwards. Ball's turned over and he's there in the right place at the right time to kick it home. I think we've missed that true player who's going to get the ball, drive it forward in midfield in the centre. You know, people who will think about Andy Cannon, for instance, but I think you actually have with Turnercliffe someone who can sort of do both sides as well. Um, has that little extra bit of class playing in the championship last season. Yeah, exactly. It's that, again, championship experience. That's the peer forecast bingo card for um for this episode. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the, the full press there, Hugh, and it was immediately obvious just from that Peterborough game. That was effective, wasn't it? I mean, it was the, the cause, it was the first goal, the Turnercliffe goal, um, I think first goal, second goal, I think it was the first goal. And also um create other chances as well from just putting so much sort of combined pressure. And it just looked like it clicked, didn't it? Um with with these with these two in centre midfield. And it was sort of a it was a choreographed press. Again, we've we heard when the Cowleys first arrived, they it, sort it was of, pressing they, as a system, not individually, which is the main yeah, Exactly. It's sort of a choreographed um approach. And that first goal, it was two players closing down the keeper. I think it was um, it was Marquis and I want to say Harness off the my off the top of my head. I think closing down the keeper that caused the uh, the mistake, and that was a sort of a theme throughout the game. And yeah, it's it's just it's if we're going into a season with a completely fresh slate in centre midfield again in terms of what to expect. I, I also don't completely agree with you, Freddie, that it's not like an exciting or glamorous centre midfield pairing. Um, for me, glamorous is sort of success. That that's glamorous for me, and I know that. I think ben, where, ben where Close I got was that... like the Pompey. Ben Close was like the Pompey. Was it Pompey Pirlo or Pompey Javi, depending mm-hmm. on who you spoke to, whether it was Mark Catlin or Hugh Bunce, um, whichever player they sort of likened him to. But um, I think that there is going to be a sort of glamour. There might just be a slightly different type of glamour. Um, it was. I got that phrase from listening to some other football league podcasts were trying to predict where Portsmouth would finish. And both of the, both of them eulogised about Ben Close and the fact, and saying that losing him for nothing was ridiculous. And that, and that Williams coming in, yeah, he's good on the ball, but they thought it was slower. Was that a Pompey-specific podcast? No, it? no. It was the broad football league ones. Yeah, we, yeah, we've seen him more. Though. Who's seen more of Ben Close out of us and, and then then? And I say that with all the, you know, the, the respect and enjoyment of Ben Close's football in the world, but I, I trust our opinion on that more than a generic EFL pod. I've not seen us dominate Peterborough. I know it's only a friendly in the Central Park as well as you did the other day. I think I think that's fair to say. But yeah, it's a friendly. You can't take you can't take that as as mustard for moving on. But let's go on to the strikers here, boys. That's right. We have got two of them. 
two of them have come in. Obviously, we've now got four. You know, John Marquis, um, which Danny Cowley's talked about doing a lot of work with him over the summer in order to develop his game. Be interesting to see how that goes. But he did cause a lot of problems at the back against Peterborough. Nathan Thompson pulling him down, slapping him round. Probably would have got sent off, actually, I reckon, for, for you know, repeat fouling in a, in a league game. Obviously, it's not really going to happen in a friendly, but enough that the Peterborough manager came and took off, took him off after that last one. So John Marcus is a real handful. But paired with this man up front, Gasson Hadme. Seems like, seems like an absolute baller already, doesn't he? Absolute baller. I mean, he scored eight goals. Is that right in preseason? I haven't missed any more of either. I've gone into the back of the mm-hmm. net. No, I think, think it was eight. But w- what I like from that is the fact that he looks like a calm, collected finisher. Now, if you pair him up front with John Marcus, who... His touch looked a lot better, actually, I thought, watching him in pre-season. The ball sort of came to his feet and it didn't roll off his foot a bit more when it was, you know, the end of last season when nothing was going right for John and it, everything looked heavy and sluggish. His link-up plays look very good up front with him and they have played together. And I'm hoping if, if they can just set each other up, get scoring together, that he could be a really good player for us from Norwich under-23s. Yeah, his link-up play with Marquis has looked good so far in pre-season. I think it was the Bristol City game where they linked up pretty well together and it was when Pompey won their penalty was sort of a Marquis one-touch back heel through knowing where Adami was going to be making his his run. So, yeah, we, we we spoke sort of last year to death about how it looked quite good when there was an exciting player up top with Marquis and, and at that point we were talking about... Um, we were talking about who were we talking about? Marcus Harness playing up top with him, and we quite enjoyed that in a four four two. And I do think having an exciting player like Hadney up top, yeah, could could well bring out the bat the best in John Marquis. Hopefully, that said, that sorry, that being said, he's twenty years old. I don't think he's played a senior game in the English um, English football league yet. You don't want to pin all your hopes on a twenty year old like that. It's a lot of expectation if you do. So, yeah, Marquis has has very much got a take the role on as lead striker I think sort of in and around the the squad and hopefully yeah Admi brings out the best in him he's looked an well, absolute baller so far you haven't got a bad word to say about him have you? Got multiple types of goals as well which is another positive in the brief window in the friendlies which gives Pompey a lot of options about how to get at teams and on paper a front four in a four four two of Curtis Ahadmi Marquis and Harness how many weaknesses are in there? Uh, but m- m- maybe I have me because he hasn't had a full league season yet. I think there's a, there's a lot of promise in that front four if you if you take that as the first choice. I spoke to a few people at Norwich as well. People are now around there, and they're, they're saying to us that they would have sold him to us. Um, he's a player that they were happy to to let go as such. So that's quite an interesting one from there. That perspective that he's here on loan, but I, I do think that maybe. It could be something, if he does well, we could work out a permanent contract for him. So some of the people out there don't like all these loan players. I think that's potentially one that we want to have a look at while he's on loan here. But I think Norwich would be very open to having a discussion about making that a permanent deal rather than just a, just a loan move. But let's move on to the next striker. No, it's not Ellis Harrison. He's still here. It's George Hurst. 22 years old, on loan from Leicester City. He's had a really troubled time establishing himself in senior football after being really touted for massively good things. Um, at, at youth football level, really. He's had a few injuries and you know, he played 32 games in the championship last season, didn't score. I know that's been bounded around Twitter quite a lot, but a lot of those were off the bench, substitutes, you know, limited limited minutes, that kind of thing. And I really think that, you know, he's 
Sheffield Wednesday fans and Rotherham fans have absolutely slammed the signing. It's not tipped her around it. They're sort of laughing at us for it. But do you know what? He stepped down from the championship. And if he gets some games at League One level, which is very different, very different, and, you know, being able to score at that, he could be a player here that surprises a few people. In terms of minutes, um, he's only played a thousand minutes, which is re- which is really te- just just over eleven full games. And like you said, a lot of them were off the bench. A lot of them, uh, he was playing for Rotherham, who in certain games they were losing by multiple goals. He did. It, that's not really the right environment for a young player to improve in. Personally, he's just there as a body, isn't he? S- uh, over six foot two, so definitely an aerial presence. If it, it, it offers. Again, Cowley, more options, which he likes. And put it this way, in the pecking order, he's the fourth striker. I don't think... Yeah, uh, who else are you going to get as a fourth striker, really, that's slightly better? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he gets some chances in the side and hopefully he can prove, he can prove the doubters wrong from other teams. Yeah, he's only 22, isn't he? So, again... Got time to go into the role, hopefully across the season. I think Cowley said when he came in that he he wants Hurst to stretch the pitch for us. That was the phrase that Danny Cowley used. So kind of using his height, using his overall, yeah, he's a very a tall lad, using him as a sort of a, a wide out ball to create space either in the centre of the pitch or or create space um, out wide. So yeah, I think he is going to be realistically a fourth choice striker. Um, but the season is long multiple games in a week. We know as well as every other club, you're going to pick up injuries. I, I imagine he'll definitely have a role at some point and hopefully, yes, yeah, stands up to it. I mean, his sort of physical presence reminds me a little bit of someone like Ollie Hawkins. Um, so, and I, I really rated Ollie Hawkins and I think he got sort of a bad, bad cut of it because of the way that he was utilised in the game. It was very unglamorous. Um, so I think Hurst could potentially fill that sort of role and I hope, I do I hope he gets sort of more of a break than Hawkins did when he was here. Yeah, and I think that I think Danny Callier would like to have that option of a striker who is that more that more physical, and and you need different players to play against different teams in different situations. And sometimes when Plan A isn't working, <clears throat> Jack here, you need to have someone you can you can really mix it up for and change the actual system, not not just bring a player on. But if that enables Danny Callier to bring him on, you know, partway through the game and, and change it up a little bit when Plan A isn't working, then I'm all for it. And then maybe does well and ends up getting one of those two spots we don't know we'll have to see how he plays throughout the season is that the end for Ellis Harrison boys I think so well um, he was tout- he was touted to leave wasn't he when Pompey were linked with Stockley yeah, um, there are other clubs in for him apparently please Oxford United that would just be funny I don't know I think if if Jaden Reed stayed fit I think it would have been sort of the final nail in the coffin but- he's more of a winger no yeah, but I mean, in terms of just attacking players, he's a very different type of player. But I think in terms of the number of attacking players in the squad, I think with, with Reed out for so long, you've got sort of a Hadme, Hurst, Marquis, Harrison could potentially stick around and be around, you know, around there with Hurst in the pecking order. But again, it's, it's about different, being able to change the game and, and change the sort of strategy you're implementing during the game. And, and Harrison does give you a different option. It's just not a very pretty option. And it hasn't been overly successful. And if something's either pretty or successful in footballing terms, you can deal with it. Um, if it's both brilliant and if it's neither, then yeah, it's, it's probably not going to be a, a long-term deal. Is it? I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him move on, which is a pity because I really like the bloke. 
Mm-hmm. It, and, and, and partnership with Marquis, we, we've seen it multiple times. It didn't really work. It didn't really work. And one, one more player I wanted to mention, who was out on loan, who, who now could get some go time, Hackett Fairchild. What do you guys think about his preseason, and where do you think he fits? He's looked good, isn't he? You know, he could be the prodigy from Bromley. Was it Bournemouth under twenty three? He scored against the other day. Yeah, Is that right. Did. Yeah, he did. I thought he looked very good, actually. I thought he grew into the game. I'd say against Peterborough. Um, you know, I thought he was a player that you know he took a little bit of time, but he gets the ball. He, he sort of presses forward. I thought he looked pretty good linking up with the other attacking midfielders. I thought when Michael Jacobs came on, he had a little bit more composure. I would say, but I think the raw abilities there, the skills there, um, and if, if he can get that confidence going, and he, he seems to be talking it up, the Cowley sort of maybe wasn't sure how how he was going to fit into the squad, but he's made a big enough impression that I think Danny Cowley really thinks that this is a guy who can actually make a difference this season. Well, he's already gone from a, a player who we'd assume would be out on loan or moved on to being a squad player already in one summer. So if that's not progress, I don't know what is. So... Maybe you get maybe you get some chances in certain games. We'll see. Do we think Jacobs is staying around then? Because he was linked with Ipswich, wasn't he, at one point as part of like a potential almost swap deal um, that I was quite sad about the concept of his him going. I think that we are a much better team with him around the squad, and when he's fit, he sort of really adds something to the team. And when he got injured towards the end of the last season, was when our form went off a cliff a little bit. Um, but have you guys either of you heard anything about whether he's sticking around or going? Because it's gone a bit quiet on that front. Onessi's going to go bring in enough money for us to go out and get a you know, top-level centre midfielder. I don't really see the value in in selling him at this moment in time, even with yeah, his agreed. injury concerns. So I, I'd like to see Jacob stay around the squad, unless Lou Asterix or whatever, it allows us to bring in another player who may be where we're weaker at the moment in centre midfield, sort of adds that balance. Because we have got a fair amount of you know wingers, etc., who can fill that role. But I do think Jacobs adds something different with his passing and his sort of vision and his potential to score goals as well. So I'd like to see him stay around. Freddie? I would as well, um, especially since we still don't know what's going to happen with Ronan Curtis if the championship team might come in last minute. We have no idea. I'm assuming at this point he's going to be first choice left winger, Curtis. And Jacobs has to be there purely for squad depth reasons. As we know, I really liked how Curtis has simply this preseason just got on and there's been all the all the previous off the pitch stuff I've forgotten about it entirely and I'm just focusing on how good of a player he is but as we know if he goes cold we we need to have an op- another option off the bench and Jacobs is that perfect slot I think he can also play in behind a striker if needed as well sort of that floating around spreading the play getting the ball forward so you know, if that's the case and we want to try that system out I think he, you know Jacobs is an option there as well so no, I, I, I like Jacobs and i I think it'd be he could be a big contributor to the team if he can stay fit again this season. Should we touch on Jaden Reed? Because I think it's not fair not to mention him. Obviously, we brought him in, got that injury. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. It could be half a no, year. nine to twelve months. Apparently. So basically, we signed him for a year, and, he, and his contract's probably gonna. You know, he might come back for a few months before his contract's done. Who knows if he, if he recovers? He's a young lad. Feel really bad for the guy. He literally looked rapid as well in preseason. I was getting really excited about this sort of almost this explosive Jamal Lowe sort of pace, you know, on, on one side. But it's unfortunate for the lad. But I quite liked the signing before, you know, he got the injury. The club have got a resp- responsibility, right, to, to help him through the injuries. Obviously, not going to be around the first team like, playing for very obvious reasons. But we, we've heard sort of rumours in the past about well, in some 
unnamed players who have spent extended times on the sidelines and who have not felt ex- exactly supported by the medical team at Pompey. Um, and I'm I'm really hoping history doesn't repeat itself then because it's one thing with that happening to someone who's sort of in the mid to latter stages of their career and then not feeling supported by the club. It's a very different thing that's, you know, still bad, but a very different thing to do that to to someone at the very start of their career suffering such a, you know, an injury that is likely to be recurrent as well over the next 10, 20 years. So, yeah, hopefully the club step up and, and his rehab goes well. So, yeah, we wish him all the best with that, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Let's let's flip on quickly to some current players I want to talk about. Ronan Curtis, I know Freddie touched on it earlier on. It was really good to see, actually, the fans really getting behind him at the game, singing his name, he's given a lot of encouragement by the crowd there. And he seemed to be thriving off that. I saw obviously he got the goal as well. That was really well taken against Peterborough. But he looked really, I'm going to say, not just confident and swaggery, but he sort of looked a little bit calmer than usual as well. It seems to me, you don't have to be really up and down. You can sort of try and find that emotional middle ground that sometimes helps a player with their consistency for our season. Wouldn't be surprised, hot take alert, to see him become the new captain of them. I think he, interestingly, I saw that he gathered all the players and led them over to the Fraternen to clap the fans, for instance, at the end of the game. Cowley said it's something we won't expect. You never know. Maybe Ronan Curtis gets chucked the armband and that responsibility takes him to be that calm, collected leader on the pitch. Yeah, some people step up with responsibility, right? It makes people, again, not saying he needs to grow up, but it makes people... In situations where they have kids, for example, you suddenly become an adult really, really quickly, right? When you've got to look after a child, sort of maybe a similar sort of concept. It's not exactly a parallel, but <laughs> love yeah, that he's... concept, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> what I suddenly given Ronan Curtis a child. Um, Pompey is his child. No, um, but I think yeah, he, there's no doubting that he's got the performance in him, and it would be really nice to see him stick around. Um, I do hope he stays at the club over summer and sort of as, the, as the transfer window ends. But I, I think this ties in with something that Paul Cook was talking about. I know that there was a video clip that went around on Twitter of, of Paul Cook talking about Pompey fans, and uh, obviously all the, all the checkbook football club stuff. He's a he's a, yeah he's a he's a little bit obviously his memories of Pompey are a little bit tainted by the circumstances of his leaving. Blah blah blah, and he took a. a maybe a bit of a shot at the club about how the fans think they're always the 12th man, but they can also cause issues. And it may be him taking a shot. I don't know, but a lot of what he said wasn't actually inaccurate. And I think Ronan Curtis is a really good example of that, where maybe the frat and crowd haven't, and I include myself in this, haven't always done the best thing that we can do as a crowd to encourage an increase in performance. And I think getting on Curtis is back at one point, um, or on more than one occasion as a crowd has, has potentially made things worse rather than better. And like with certain personality types, just continuous encouragement maybe is better than 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 booing and motivating the other way. So I think, yeah, what we need is him to stick around. I wouldn't actually mind if he got given the captain's armband. It would give him an opportunity to really stand up and show who he is um, or, you know, show what he is as a leader. Um, because on the pitch, like, there's not really anyone in, in League One I'd take on the wing ahead of him on a on a day where he's running hot, to be honest with you. Do you reckon they may be given the, an associate captain position and chuck it chuck it to someone else a bit more experienced? Well, we'll see, but I wouldn't be surprised to see something 
a bit out of left field there. Um, and I was actually thinking a little bit, maybe you might chuck it to someone like Lee Brown, but maybe dropping back to second choice left back in that sense. We'll have to see how it plays out. I probably don't see that being the case. And you're talking about the uh, the home support there at Fratton. And I really want to know, Freddie, if you think this is the case, because obviously last season, Pompey got 1.39 points per game compared to 2.26 points per game the year before. Is that because the fans weren't there and they weren't able to drive the players on? Or is it purely just that the team wasn't really as good? I think it was a factor. Um, you, you can't say it wasn't a factor. I know, I know every other team in the league had to do with the same thing. But the Fratton Park crowd's different to any other crowd in the league, isn't it? Sean Raggett mentioned it on the fans forum, how much he how much he missed having the crowd there and how he hated playing in front of empty stadiums. It, it, it didn't, he said it didn't harm his motivation, but it just took it a tiny bit down because it was just different. I think that the fans reacted the right way. I think it would be a great, it would be a great lift for the players having full crowds back. Full 1,000 allocation for the Fleetwood game, which is basically a quarter of the ground. So that's going to be that's going to be big for them. Get, give them hyped up for that first game, and and they'll need that considering considering it's basically a new team coming out next season. So they'll need that little bit extra. Yeah, I mean the Fleetwood crowd as well. They're always the best. Fleetwood are a good crowd when I was last one. I mean, they have got, according to Joe Barton, nothing to live for in their lives. And, and you know, <laughs> the whole place is a shithole, which is what he said on video, which I think is quite funny. When you, and the players uh, are nodding along. He's sort of like, you know, these players, got no, these people got nothing in their lives. They're like, mm, yeah, yeah. Um, good old Joe Barton. Not. Um, but yeah, no, Philippe would obviously. Hope. But I, I do think, though, that the crowd will make a difference. And I do hope, and this is me, you guys, everyone else listening, really, that we can really start afresh in that positive way. Because I, when I was there, four of thousand people, it was really positive. And I know we won two now, but even so, it was just a positive, energetic crowd. Yeah, I'm seeing it as kind of a, you know, those unbearable things you see on Instagram and Facebook on the 31st of December, like, oh, new year, new me. I'm essentially seeing it as that. It's new management, new players. And the, the Cowley brothers just, they ooze positivity. Like, he's got a smile that lights up a room. Everything he says is positive. Like you just feel like we're in good hands, and like I said at the start of the the podcast, there's just a different mentality for me this season towards the first game of the season. Whereas last year I was thinking, oh, it's probably going to be a little bit average, not not too not too excited. And then I think the first game was a nil nil draw against Shrewsbury, and you're thinking, yeah, there we go again. This is this is the same as last season. Whereas this time, like there's the opportunity for the frat and crowd, the fact that there's going to be a crowd there for that to sort of reflect this whole new vibe around the club, the new players coming in, the new management coming in. I mean, I can't remember which signing it was. They said that they were thinking about coming to Pompey and then they were really impressed by the Cowley's presentation. They gave them a bloody presentation mm. about how they're planning for the team to play in the year to come. Like, mate, they've got PowerPoints and Zoom and stuff. Like, <laughs> in, They've got an iPad. That's how exciting is that? We've got management team that've got a bloody iPad. Like actually can... record the game, the training session as well to look back <laughs> yeah. on the tape and work out how to improve. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's sort of there's a there's a coherent plan. And there's the opportunity, particularly if we start with a Fleetwood and then we start one in the first home game at Fratton Park. If we can get the ball rolling with a bit of momentum, where there's you know, it, it feels like an opportunity. And I'll be really sad if we miss that opportunity to put some good results together with a positive feel around the club because it does feel like sort of a sort of like the club being re not not 
reborn is far too strong a term, but like sort of a... Well, it's a new era, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's the start of a new era, exactly. And and that's really bloody exciting for me. So the frat and crowd can be a massive part of that. And yeah, I, th- I think what you said about the, the fans being important in the stadium, I think with fans there, it's much more... With fans not there, it's much more difficult to reverse a bad run of form or kind of, you know... a, a sequence of bad results or sequence of bad luck or whatever it's a lot more difficult to turn that around without the crowd behind you i do think that's where the front crowd can come in because you know they come into their own when the team is a goal down and i think i do think that's where pompey missed them last season in the easy in by easier home games when pompey likely to work going to win comfortably probably didn't make a huge difference but in those close edge you know one nil down potentially in games where with the front crowd behind them shooting towards the front end 85th minute score late equalizer I think that's the sort of scenario where potentially we lost games last season that we would have scraped a point from some of them with a crowd there. Um, that's that's what I think anyway. Yeah, no, completely agree. But you've heard from us guys now. You've heard what we said about the squad as it is currently, but we wanted to find out what you thought of the squad now and where you thought it has to go from it. So we put out the question. And again, thank you for everyone who's messaged in, tweeted us, messaged on Facebook. All that malarkey because we really appreciate it. It makes the show. Um, we've had a lot of really positive and nice things to say. So appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Uh, let's go for the first one here. I've got on my list. Alfredo 20 mentions in. He says, welcome back, lads. Cheers, dude. <laughs> we'll take Louis Thompson after the Peterborough game, but he's apparently been let go. We need a centre midfielder before the window shuts because we've got zero depth at all there. What are we saying, guys? Yeah, com- completely agree. I think Danny Cowley himself said it in the last couple of days. He's hoping we might even have someone in before before Saturday. I mean, that article was from yesterday, I think, or day before yesterday, but we need at least one, probably two people in that centre midfield position. And I'm assuming that's a theme that's going to come up in a lot of the messages that come in, that there is obviously a, a massive gap in, in centre midfield and the rest of the side looks, you know, there's some level of depth there, but centre mid is, is thin on the ground at the moment, right? Yeah, exactly. I've, I, I haven't seen the friendlies live, so I don't know how well Louis, Tom, uh, Louis Thompson played but in t- I still think there are players out there who can do a proper job for Bobby in centre midfield Dan Crowley who we mentioned on the um, the summer podcast for transfers he's training with Cheltenham he's a perfect player to bring in at centre mid he can also play 10 range of well, passing someone else has stepped in for a mate haven't they I think have somebody they? else is, yeah, I think he was I, I haven't heard <laughs> I have he no was idea. training at Cheltenham someone else has stepped in and I think he's uh, was going to sign there I think he's someone else has stepped in I'll have a look at that in a second sorry carry damn. on <laughs> damn he would have been he, he would have been the right sort of player but almost certainly Portsmouth need depth at centre midfield and maybe another centre half and then I think all the positions are covered do you think we just need two more players then, Fred, for a complete squad? Is that three, three, I think. Two, 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 two centre-mids, one centre-half. So we have four centre-halves, two at each side of centre-half, two at each side of centre-midfield. I think that, especially with the cup games coming in, 46-game season, you need multiple options, don't you? Gillingham, hand former Birmingham midfielder, a chance to impress two days ago. Is that a full-time contract or a trial? I think he's on trial. I don't think he's actually signed. I think they're just having a look at him for now. That was a day ago. So he's still out there, Freddie. He's still but, possible. Uh, D- Danny Cowley, if you're listening to this, um, there's a there's a, there's a good centre midfielder there. <laughs> PO forecast approved as well, if, if, if that goes into your thinking. Especially since you like someone else who's a Gillingham. So get on your bike, get over there. Let's make it happen. 
Um, all right, let's just move on quickly. George messages in. He says, need at least two central midfielders by crew. Because if we get one injured at Fleetwood and another at Millwall, we're playing Roberts and Curtis in centre midfield. So we need central midfielders and a cam. Are we actually going to go out and get a cam, lads, again? I mean, this, is, this question sort of nags at me in a sort of, you know, irritating sort of way because we always talk about it each off-season and, um, well, it never happens, does it? It just it just seems like the squad set up to play four four two, and we got four strikers. So I don't I don't see why you would go for an out and out cam now. Maybe go for a player who can play deeper and play cam. Um, I know Rico Hackett Fairchild played cam apparently in the Peter game according to the news, and Marcus Arnes can play there. Maybe getting a player, maybe getting a creative fielder who can play a bit of both. Who could do? Who can step up to that sort of role if needed, but can also play deeper? Yeah, like an eight or ten sort of yes. situation. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. And you've missed out on all the best cams already, anyway. I think so. They usually snapped up quite quickly, uh, mm. as far as creative. Scott Fraser there. definitely was. Oh, oh. oh. Right, let's, let's not dwell on that. But yeah, no, we agree. <laughs> we need two central midfielders um, by crew. Cheers, game messaging and George. Ollie messages in, he says, with all the time and money spent on trialists and the 10 million pledged to the stadium, could we not have paid that little bit extra to keep Ben Close and Jack Watmore? I mean, we didn't want to keep him. The whole idea was to get a culture change, get him out was the whole idea. We've been talking about this before when we talk about the transfers. We needed a culture change. And that's just one of those things that you know, Ben and Jack were sort of sacrificial lambs in that situation. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm Ollie. I'm not worried about those two guys going at the second in time with the players we've brought in. So as long as we get some centre midfielders, you know, to back up at least and you know, have the quality when they come in, not to bring the level of the team down. I suppose when the two guys we've got in an hour injured, um, I'm happy with stuff going forward. But all right, JC messages in. He says another centre back, two midfielders without question. Everyone seems to be on the same wagon here. We can see how the squad's coming together, and it it really is just those three players, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, I think so. If we're looking at priorities with the season pretty much on our doorstep now, those are the, the gaps that need to be filled because that's where we start looking thin very, very quickly. And yeah, I don't have a huge amount to add on to that. This seems to be the sort of the the overarching theme or the overarching um, opinion is that that's that's where we're weakest or not, not even weakest, that's where we've got least depth over a 46-game season. So... We're going to need squad depth over the season. I don't think we have that at the moment. The potential starting eleven, like how I imagine we'd line up, I think it looks like a really squad, a really strong League One squad. So for me, I think it'll be batting goal, either Johnson or Freeman right back, Ogilvy left back, Robertson and Raggett centre backs, and then sort of a front mishmash in four four two of sort of Harness, Williams, Tunnicliffe, Curtis midfield and then Marcus uh, Marcus and had me up top and I think that's a really strong 4-4-2 lineup yeah depth is the concern uh what I'd be really interested to see what you guys think in terms of comparing that to what we started with last season so the lineup I just said there compare that to um McGillivray Johnson Watmore Raggett Brown Naylor Morris Harness, Evans, Curtis, Marquis. Obviously, there's a little bit of crossover. I forgot there, that, that Morris started that. Exactly same as me. Yeah, lads. He played like, pretty well in that game as well. Quite, which was. I mean, that, that was a nil-nil against Shrewsbury. Like, for I me, thought you were about that. I thought that was the. No, there, what a game, league, Freddie, the league, that was. Wasn't there a League Cup game before that? What? I don't know. I've, I've grabbed that from the first League game of the season. Anyway, oh, I think where we drew nil-nil. I think that's right. 
Um, I'm sure someone will fact check me if it isn't and will let me know in no uncertain terms. That's why my Twitter account is private. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I think that was our lineup. And for me, our, our starting 11 now is stronger than it was this time last year. But there is just that lack of, lack of depth in uh, centre back and centre midfield positions. Yeah, JC also mentions he wants someone to come in and uh, challenge Marcus Harness. Thinks he's inconsistent. Do my little little online. I always say, flair players like this are generally a little bit inconsistent at this level at League One. Otherwise, they're that consistent and they play that Marcus Harness plays that when he's on form, he'd already be a Championship player. And he also wants to bring us in a goalkeeper, so he's not sure. Get a third keeper in. We could sub- do sub- keepers get Bass out on loan. That's what I thought might be the case if Bazuna was more of a starter but if it, if it's him and Bass fighting for the net then that's fine I think I'm just I, I just want Bass to get game time wherever it is for his development he needs game time at this level or somewhere else he can't be he can't be the subkeeper for long again I don't think Let's just see where that lands, then, Fred. I, I don't. I think if he's if we get to January and he's not playing any games and he's sitting around the bench, then you know if we've got an experienced person to back up um, Benzema, then we can do that. But at the moment, I don't want to hear anything about Alex Bass going out on loan. Wanting to try and grab the grab the number one shirt, if possible. And we've got a player under contract who can be a keeper of the future. Um, Rob messages him and says, I "Think with the players we have now, we need another centre back." Um, two holding midfielders, number 10. We've needed one of those for years. Another winger after he's out for the season. Not asking for much, are you, Rob? <laughs> well, you know, that's the Pompey News now way, really. But let's have a think about this quickly. <sighs> two holding midfielders, you know, I suppose we could do that. I want another eight and a 10, ideally. And number 10, it's not happening. And another winger. I think wingers, we've got loads of wingers, haven't we? Yeah, because you, well, you've got Curtis Harness, Hackett, Fairchild and Jacobs. Reed would have been the fifth one, barring injury. And Hackett, Hackett, Fairchild, I think, played both sides of Bromley at one point and up front as well. Jacobs probably could play both sides at a pinch, you'd think. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I, wouldn't hmm. be, I wouldn't be against us bringing in a young player to be sort of you know, back up in case we have an injury just, just for the season. I mean, if we had an under-23s development team, for instance, then I'd want to bring one of those players <laughs> up from the under-23s. But you, could, you couldn't go a podcast without mentioning that, could that's you? Another, yeah, it's another PO podcast. <laughs> that's bingo. Sink your drink if, you, if you're doing it that way. All we need is Freddie to say hot take and uh, we've got the full house there. But it's something dull. <laughs> <laughs> Toby messages in. He says, couple of centimetres required both a six and an eight to cover Willow and Tunney I like that we were already we we're already getting the nicknames in there already you need to provide some goalkeeping cover and then a centre back Cowley probably want another young player he can develop after he got injured things looking bright play out Pompey I agree I mean if we bring in we need two experienced in my opinion centre midfielders two two centre midfielders that are good enough to, to play at this level and good enough not to play at this level but to make an impact you know, we can't have two bang average backup centre midfielders that, you know, if the guys at the moment are currently in the middle get injured, they have to come in and play the majority of the season. That would be tragic. So I'm expecting that to be good. And then a centre back, you know, we do need another centre back to cover. But again, it's not as pressing as centre midfielders for me. Um, I think they're, they're the, they should be the priority. All right, let's move on. I'm going to try and skip by some people who've got the same sort of things we're talking about so we're not repeating ourselves over again. Cowley's Cows messages in. 
the whole midfield has got to be looked at and decisions made. Fair enough. Defensive mid, biggest issue to be resolved. Looks like there's no traditional 10, so that's unlikely to change. Decision on Hackett, Fairchild and Jacob's future or cover needed. Cover for Harness, definitely needed. I mean, there's a lot there. I, I think when we were talking about the decisions for Hackett, Hackett Fairchild and Jacob's, that will just resolve itself as it is. If they go out, we need to bring players in. That, that That's just how, that's how it works. We can't let any of those wingers go out and not replace them. Defensive midfield, we, again, centre midfield, if we've talked about that, we agree with that. Uh, cover for Harness. Do you think some people just don't rate Harness as much as us and they want to have someone else there that could potentially take his position? I think he's one of those players that can, can win a game on his own. And it's exactly what you said about five minutes ago, Hugh. Those flair players who can win a game by themselves, they're going to have the odd quiet game. And maybe the ratio of games they do win by themselves is going to be lower. But if it was higher, they wouldn't be playing in League One. So, again, there aren't that many people I'd take on the right wing over Marcus Harness, if any. We haven't got you like know. a Ryan Williams type either, where um, he's kind of the he was kind of the backup right winger. But when he came in, you pretty much knew exactly what he was going to get. Whereas Harness, it's a bit different. Um, with with Jacobs and Hackett Fairchild, they're more suited to the left, but probably can play on the right. So that's probably where the difference is. Yeah, I think actually someone responded to that actually. Uh, Loftus messaged in and he said that um, Hackett Fairchild is cover for Harness on the right hand side. Um, however, he wants to see someone who can cover at ten, but. We've gone through that already. James Taylor messages in. Cheers, James. He says, two centre midfielders, one centre back, one goalkeeper. I'll try to offload Harrison to replace with another attacking midfielder. Don't tell Oxford he's got more yellow cards than goals. Who would do that on Twitter openly and get slated for it? Not me. John T. Cole messages in. Welcome back. Thanks, John T. We'll have you on the show at some point. We need to link up and discuss that. Um, Loving your coverage over the summer, mate. Um, Peter Fergus messages in. First of all, huge welcome back. Cheers again. I've missed your podcast, my work commute. Let us know where you're listening to the podcast. It's always nice for us to listen and find out where you guys are listening. We appreciate that. I'd like to see some money spent in centre midfield, same as us. Happy with what you got, but the Cowley's high intensity will not favour the veterans. Being realistic, I'd expect a 500k player or a loanee. 500k. I think we're going to be struggling to splash half a million quid on a centre midfielder who's potentially in the squad rotation. We going to I, I, just don't, I just don't see them making that sort of transfer fee now. I think I think if they had that in mind, it would have happened already. I think maybe with Morel at Luton, but then again, I was talking to um, a Luton fan who was my ex-housemate because Tunnicliffe was from there and basically said Tunnicliffe, solid championship midfielder, but they had more depth at centre midfield than they knew what to do with. So that's why Tunnicliffe was released. With that in mind, I don't think they'll, really, they'll take away Morel as well considering he's a Wales international and so on. And I, th- I think if the right player ca- came up, I think the board might stump up that money, but I think they're not going to do that on anybody. So it's probably highly unlikely it's going to happen, I think. Andy, if we get um, a Wales international, are you automatically buying the shirt and slapping it on your back and going to every game with it on? Well, I was listening to someone the other day that was asking about what the maximum age is before it looks a bit ridiculous getting a, a club shirt with a... Uh, with a player name on the back. <laughs> um, I won't say my opinion because I'll offend whatever percentage of our listener base. Um, but uh, yeah, any, any you know, you can't have too many Welsh or former Welsh internationals in the side. Absolutely not. Probably can, but you know, I, I think it'd be a good addition. 
uh, we, we don't need to go down this route. We'll agree to disagree, <laughs> mate. If they play for Wales, then I'm, I'm backing them as a solid signing. All right, he's, he's not, he's not going to go for the name on the back of his shirt, just a giant poster on his ceiling of his bedroom. Um, Finley <laughs> messaged him. <I'll> go- <laughs> First thing in the morning, last thing at night, but <laughs> You can replace the mirror you've got currently. <laughs> Beautiful. Moving on, Finley messages in. He says, welcome back to us. Nice one, Finley. Always appreciate your input every week. And he says, at the very minimum, I think we need another centre-back and centre-midfielder. I think that's realistic. Uh, in general, happy with the recruitment quality this summer. Can't wait to get back at Fran. That's a weird feeling, Philly. Let's just raise the tempo. Let's get it going. Let's get some excitement coming on because this is a good squad. Well, this is a good team. We just need to build the, the foundations of the rest of the squad to make sure we've got the, the durability to last what is a slug of a season in League One, let's be honest. And some of the teams are going to try and kick the shit out of us, but that's how it goes. Glenn messages in. He says, I can't wait to listen to these. The first 11 is very strong and we've definitely made it better. Near the centre-back, two centre-midfields. Ben Thompson is the dream. I mean, I'm pretty happy we made it this far without discussing Ben Thompson. Oh, do we have to bring <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, maybe, maybe, maybe this podcast episode will get more listens if we mention Ben Thompson. And honestly, put him in <laughs> Ben Thompson is keeping some journalists in a job at the moment. There are articles that get churned out about him. For goodness sake, let's let's move on with our lives, eh? It's because they absolutely bang, probably. <laughs> probably analytically, I suppose. It puts the bait into clickbait, doesn't it? Is this the time that Pompey signed Ben Johnson again? In the article, no, no, no probably not. Like, well, well done. You've got a click. All right. Anyway, we're, we're good at making friends with the PO forecast, aren't we? We love networking <laughs> yeah. with uh, with local journos. We're friends with everybody. Let's like you know, let's, let's not doubt <laughs> that. Well, let's not doubt that, boys. But no, I, I almost feel like I like Ben Thompson to sign a three year contract somewhere else, just so we can move on to this conversation. But I think we seem to be covering him potentially coming back to Pompey for, for ages, <laughs> yeah. Every transfer window, every transfer. If it window. did happen, it would be great, but it's not going to that's it yeah it's, it's like that unachievable person you definitely can't go out with and then it happens but let's just move on from that um abby messages in she's hurrah was a late convert to the pod last season looking forward to a whole season worth this year welcome to the po4 fam abby it's good to have you listening appreciate it dan messages in looking forward to it i won't read all these out um da, da, da. all right that, that is basically but uh lewis dan foster and just dan no, why, why, why elaborate? Thanks again for the messages. It's really nice of you guys. That's where we are for now. Do we have any more things that I've not looked at? Andy, did you have a few you wanted to go through from Facebook? Um, they were very, very similar themes, to be honest with you. I'm trying to remember who they were from off the top of my head. Uh, I think Harry Wood, Dr. Sabaz, talking about central midfield. Uh, Merlin Williams. I love the name Merlin. It makes me think of the guy off um, First Dates. It's my favourite first name. Anyway, um, Definitely need some depth in the midfield. Williams, although fit and robust at 35, I think will struggle with playing up to two matches a week. Plus, if heaven forbid, him and him and Tunnicliffe pick up an injury, the only other backup is a 17-year-old trainee. So I think he's talking about Harry Jewett-White there. Um, and yeah, I, I do. I agree with the sentiment in both of those those messages. Um, because, yeah, it's, Harry Jewett-White is a very promising player. I've seen him play in person a couple of times. And yeah, very promising player for the future. But he's... Yeah, he's 17, I think. So you you can't have him as a first replacement centre midfielder in League One. It would it would probably do it'll, it'll do more harm to his development than good. I think. Yeah, I think so. It's it's very, very high early. risk, very high risk, very low likelihood of massive reward. So play the long game with him and 
I think we're more likely to see uh, more likely to see success. Sweet. All right. Thanks again for everyone's message again. And we can't hit, wait to hear your views again over the next few weeks and across the whole season, really. So keep them coming, keep messaging in. We really appreciate it. And let us know anything you think you should be talking about at PO Forecast or drop us an email, poforecast at gmail.com. I found the password now. So I am now going to be able to log back in and read all the lovely thoughts. And maybe if there is some emails in there I haven't responded to, I'll get back to you four months later or whatever it is from now. But apologies for that. Um, Okay, boys, we've done that. We've gone through the squad. We've gone through player by player. We've heard everyone else's views. It's time to move on to the next point to finish the show off, to wrap it up and go, what are your predictions for the league? I'm not going to do like a 24, whatever it is, one to 24. Let's, we're not, we're not going to do that. What we are going to do instead is just let us know where you think Pompey are going to finish and why. Freddie Webb. It's a very competitive league. Um, Lots of other teams have brought in some high-quality players. Most of the teams that got relegated from the Championship are also quite good. Um, I think Rotherham will, Rotherham will be up there again. Ipswich, because of all their signings. Um, yeah, so I think it would be very difficult. I think as the squad currently stands now, without any more players, I think Pompey will finish eighth. I think that's roughly where they'll be. As we've mentioned, starting 11, I think, is very solid, but there needs to be... There needs to be more signings in certain areas because if we do get injuries it could drop down even further than that with more transfers who knows Port Pompey could be up there again but very competitive league And but, but I think with the tactical philosophy that the Cowleys implemented last season if they carry that over with a new set of players I think that I think will be challenging but not as good as some of the other teams Are you saying like a playoff bubble team then Freddie? I think so steal a phrase from other, from other sports I think um, so. yeah Okay, Andy, do you agree with Freddie's eighth place finish, or are you going to go a little bit higher or lower? I'm I'm buzzing off the positivity. I think we'll be playoffs. I think similar-ish to last season, except we won't bottle it towards the end. Um, I'm fairly confident Ipswich are going to win the league. I you look at their squad, and it's just a very good squad. Their wage bill is fairly high, as I'm sure is very well documented. But they've had such a huge turnover. I think it was it Dozel they sold to QPR for like 1.2 million, and he's mm. a very average League One player. So they've made they've done some very good business. Um, and we know that what Paul Cook can do with a decent squad. They've got yeah a good manager, a very strong squad. I do think they're going to win the league. Um, and then it's going to be the usual suspects, right, up there and around about. So Sunderland are going to want to be up and about there. Um, you'd imagine that, um, yeah, Pompey would be, we've just got to try and stick with the leaders and hold on for as long as possible in the season and see what happens towards the end. You'd imagine Lincoln are going to be aroundabouts again. Um, Charlton, again, very difficult teams. It's a strong league, isn't it? It's tough. I do think we're going to make the playoffs. I've, I've got more confidence in our management team and coaching staff than I've had for a very long time. And I think over the course of the season, that makes a very large difference because I genuinely think they're going to learn the lessons from every single game and improve with every single game. Whereas last season and the couple before that, I very much felt it was, we have plan A in this game. Okay, plan plan A hasn't worked. Let's go plan B. You might even disagree with that, but um, we got plan B. Okay, that either did or didn't work. Next game, right, we'll go back to the original plan A. That either does or doesn't work, right, plan B. And it it didn't really feel like the side evolved 
And I feel like this side is going to evolve under the Cowleys because there are so many new faces coming in. They're going to gel and they'll evolve throughout the season and will find their groove. They'll find their style as the season progresses. So, yeah, I I think we'll be in the, the playoff places. How about you, Hugh? You need to That's a mouthful. Nah, no, I like the analysis, but you didn't tell me a number, mate. It's like when you try oh. to do your score predictions, you try and give me two two scores. Oh, it'll be a two, 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 or three, two. I'm not, you know, that's just, that's just no, no. What is the? I want to know a number, a position. All right, I'm I'm going out. I'm going fourth. Ooh, that's a spicy one. I like it. I like it. All right, let me step in then. I'm I'm actually going to say that I'm going to be somewhere in the middle of you two. I think that. Yuck. I think I think the thing really is that I still have a bit of confidence we'll sign some a couple of centre midfielders and and the centre back. So I'm not too worried about the squad construction in that sense. Danny Cowley's already said he's hoping to announce another signing before the game at the weekend. I'm going to say we're going to come sixth this season. So I think it's going to be a tough battle between the teams at the top. I don't think it's going to be a season in which it's sort of really top-heavy with maybe the exception of Ipswich, but I do think that the good teams in this league, and there's a lot of them, will be quite ahead of some of the other teams in this league, and it's going to be that sort of, you know, you might have up to eight teams maybe who are sort of jostling around for, you know, maybe nine jostling around the top of the league, and then maybe a bit of a drop-off after that. I'm going to take the confidence saying that our new system play under the Cowleys, I'm going to back him on this and say we get sixth place, in the playoffs, who knows what can happen? Who knows? And I'd be excited to see us go into the playoffs under the, under the Cowleys and really just sort of, I don't know, big games. Maybe we can win it. Maybe we can get promoted. But I'm going to say at the moment, and I'm feeling positive after this conversation, I'm going to put us as sixth place. But it's very difficult to tell until the squad's actually completed. I think, you know, I'm asking us to make these predictions right now, but... We haven't seen how the squad's predicted and hopefully don't get blown out 4 now at Fleetwood and then, you know, I look like a complete Muppet. You know, not quite as much as Andy, but, you know, that's how we go. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say... I don't, Pom- to, I don't need Pompey to help me with that, but... That's <laughs> <laughs> the thing I've agreed with the most you said today. But, yeah, no, we're going to come in sixth place, in my opinion. I'll put away the smile for the evening. <laughs> Thanks, <Les. laughs> Right, speaking of Fleetwood... Should we do a quick preview of it, Huey? Let's do it. Fleetwood Town. They brought in some reasonable players, but also lost some. Some of the notable players that are going out, Paul, Co- Paul Coots for them was an experienced side, side midfielder. Same with Glenn Whelan, very difficult to play against, even though he's a bit older. And they lost Wes Burns, one of their better players, who was at right back to Ipswich, who played a fee for him. In terms of the players they brought in and their squad overall, one of the weaker sides in the division, I think. They brought in Callum Morton on loan, who was at Lincoln City and Northampton, who I do like. He scores multiple types of goals. Um, if you remember Anthony Pilkington, who was at Norwich, they brought him in from after a season in India, and I haven't seen him play Oh, Fred, since. can I just jump in here? The yeah. team he was playing for in India, managed by Robbie Fowler. That oh, shocked me. yes. <laughs> what a bit of knowledge that is. It was Amazing. East, Be- East Bengal Football Club or whatever it was. Yeah, I, was one- oh, I wasn't wondering where Robbie Fowler had got to, but I did not think <laughs> he was managing an Indian football team. Isn't he, isn't he like a property tycoon now, Robbie Fowler? He just bought up like half of Liverpool and redeveloped it. Yeah, he does. He definitely does stuff in property. I heard that. But obviously he likes managing Indian football teams on the side. Sorry, Fred. Carry on. It's all right. <laughs> I love that information. Um, another good player, another reasonable player they brought in, Brad Halliday, who's at Doncaster Rovers. Very solid foot right back. Their best player for me, Callum Camps in the middle of the park. 
He was very good. Was he at Rochdale, where Fleetwood yep. bought him from? Yep. Very solid creative midfielder. The main thing that Portsmouth need to do is to stop him getting on the ball and stop him getting, allowing him the freedom he he needs in the midfield to play well. So that's what Pompey basically needs to do to stop that system. Simon Grayson is the manager. Um, I personally don't rate him whatsoever, but some people may disagree on that. They're gonna they're gonna play slightly more direct football, I think, but they've got a young squad, so we'll, so so it could be a bit different, but. Generally, one of the weaker sides in the division. That's why I think Pompey should look to try and win this game, even though it's away from home. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of pressure there on um, on Edmonton, who's coming in on loan from Leeds, and on Mortimer's goal scorers. Mm. If you mentioned Callum Camps there, who's playing centre mid, and we've spoken about him before on the podcast, and he was their top scorer last season. But their other top goal scorers from last season have all buggered off essentially so yeah Paddy Madden's um, gone as yeah, well Paddy I think. Madden's gone to Stockport Harvey Saunders has gone to Bristol Rovers um disappeared off with Joey Barton uh you mentioned Wes Burns now he's gone to Ipswich Chet Evans is at Preston North End so if Edmonton and Morton don't fire in front of goal the pressure on camps to basically carry the side is going to be even even more so than it was last year um so yeah there, there's a lot of pressure on him and that's that's kind of what, what I mentioned earlier on that's why I think that um, Camps versus Williams and Tunnicliffe is going to be where the game is is won or lost at least from a Fleetwood point of view uh, in, in the match itself uh, Jordan Rossiter alongside Camps as well in centre mid I think he got announced as club captain the other day um, and he was I, I knew I knew the name from somewhere he was at Liverpool back in the day I don't know how many years ago but they've got you know a few names on the team that or around the team that you'd recognise I rate Alex Cairns as well in goal. I think he's a very good goalkeeper. He's one of the better goalkeepers in the league. But um, yeah, they've they've lost a few who have all disappeared off to Bristol Rovers to keep Joey Barton company because obviously they all apparently didn't feel that positively about Fleetwood, according to you earlier, Hugh. So maybe they all realised that Bristol was actually, you know, Venice of the West or something. I don't know. They've all disappeared off or the Cancun of, of England. We talked about them, the... Um, the nightclub barge there before. So yeah, Cancun of the West. I love Bristol, mate. You know, it's a great city to go out in. So I'm, I'm not surprised in that sense. If you, you know, do you want to move, do you want to live in Fleetwood or do you want to live in Bristol? But yeah, no contest. I mean, is, is Joey Bart on the pool really? You know, I mean, is he going to be mad allowed to manage? He'd you know, want to season? leave Bristol. Yeah. Well, let's not get into Jay Barton. He's gone, whoever, in League Two. Where, you know, he should be lower, but yeah, that's my that's my personal feelings on the bloke. All right, let's get to score prediction times. And I'm going to roll around to Freddie Webb and say, what is your score prediction for the game against Fleetwood? I think Poppy have got this because they've got multiple weapons to win the game, whereas I don't think Fleetwood do. Fleetwood would rely on Camps getting the ball and playing the ball up to Evanson and Morton, whereas Pompey can score goals from multiple areas. They got the buzz from the friendly, got the buzz from the new management system. They're playing the style of play that Pompey fans want to see. I think it would be 2-0 Pompey with Ahadmi scoring a brace. He's going to carry on from what from his uh, preseason form. Andy Mishmore? Yeah, it makes me feel a little bit sick to say it, but I do agree with Freddie's sentiment there. Um, oh, yeah, not a good start to the season. I'll try not to do it again until next year. Um, in terms of having sort of different danger areas I do think they're overly reliant on camps and if he has a good game then it will be a very tight game I'd imagine or you know you could potentially see a Fleetwood win if he has an absolute worldy but law of averages there are more match winners in that Pompey side for me and I think the, the Pompey lineup has 
potentially gelled together a bit more in pre-season. Um, Fleet would have been playing quite a young team, especially in their last two pre-season games. They played a very young lineup, and, and they lost 4-0 to Wrexham and 3-0 to Chester as a result. Whereas Pompey, there's, I think there's a larger proportion of our first team have played more consistently together over the last week or two. Um, so I think Pompey are less likely to come into the game cold. So, Fred, did you actually say a score? 2-0. Two 2-0 two with a hat. Okay, I... Okay, I stopped listening, my bad. Um, I will go with a 3-1 Pompey win. I think Fleetwood haven't really gone through any of pre-season without conceding. Even in their wins against Leeds and Huddersfield, they conceded. Uh, so I, I think Pompey are going to absolutely score. I think I think 3-1. Yeah, I think it was the Academy losing, uh, breaking his League One duck. Um, and then Curtis will score a trademark Curtis goal cutting in from the left and burying far corner like he did in pre-season in the last game. And pick another player. Let's, let's go with one of the centre-backs to score. Um, well, well, let's go with Raggett. It's got to be Sean Raggett, right? I know you're going to put money on it, Hugh, so uh, I'll call it early. What are we thinking, Hugh? What's your prediction, bud? I'm going to go with a 3-0 Pompey win. I'm going to go with a goal from Ahadme, a goal from Curtis, and a goal from Marquis to get two of our strikers off. And I think Curtis looked great. I think he looked really good in the last game I saw him. He looked confident. Obviously, got the goal from that. And I think he's a player who thrives on confidence in that sense. So I'm going to go for a, a comprehensive 3-0 Pompey win. And maybe I'm just being really positive because the season's starting and I'm really excited. And then next week, I'll be going, why did I say 3-0? <laughs> but next week, you for go for a 2-0 win in the next game. Yeah, let, let's go 3-0. 3-0 Pompey win. All right, yeah, before we get into it, though, we need your help. Let's just put that out there. We need your help, potentially, if you're any good at what I'm going to say. We're going to make a new intro for the PO forecast. If any of you guys are good at that, if you're any good at putting some sound engineering stuff together and can help us that, we can provide some clips. We can put some input in, but hit us up at PO forecast. If you, you can help us make the introduction, obviously we'll, we'll blazely credit you everywhere and praise you highly and buy you a beer at Fratton Park. If you want to come down to the Crook or wherever, the Rutland, wherever you drink, I'll pop along and buy you a pint. But yeah, let us know. And if it's any good, we'll use it. If it's shit, no offence, we won't. But yeah, that's how it goes. So Andy Mitchell, thanks for coming on the show. Great to be back. Buzzing for the season. As I said earlier, looking forward to the the dark three-hour trips home after a 4-0 home defeat in December. I'm I'm ready for it. Come at me. Freddie, it's always good having you on the show, mate. It's always a pleasure, Hugh. Thank you. It was nice to see you guys again. And yeah, hopefully I'll see some of the listeners at the Fleetwood game on Saturday. Sweet. Message Freddie. Uh, and get him to buy you a beer. He's offering anyone who listens to the podcast a free pint at Fleetwood. So <laughs> I never said that. I am absolutely broke, so I can't do that. <laughs> Let's do it, do it the other way then. Fred, you need to post that on the Pompey New Now News Now page um, what your table number is at Weatherspoons and uh, see what rocks up instead. Let's do it the other way. Everyone else can buy you a, a, pl- pint. a plate of peas, probably. A plate of peas. Yeah. Not even a thing. What? Yeah, you can, apparently. That's what happened to one of my mates who did that. He put his table number on Instagram and that's what he got sent to. Well, that's nice. Though. I remember one of my friends was really broke and went to KFC and bought a pot of barbecue beans. So, you know, it could be worse, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got you something in the spoons before, haven't I? I th- I'm sure I've done that. I think you were up for my birthday. You gave me a pint, didn't you, at Weatherspoons that I could use. So I was like, right, I'm at right. Spoons now. Hit me up, you know, get a beer over to me. I don't even know if I did it or not, because I'll be honest, I was out on a, on a bit of a long one. So, but <laughs> thought it was there if not. But anyway, until next time, play up Pompey. 
You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.